Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Lead Poisoning. Choking slowly, broken hearted. Don't look now, here's what you started. Deep sigh. Not, not quite as deep as I, last week. I have very mixed feelings. We'll get into them on this podcast. Somebody, somebody sent me a, a list of Troy McClure's movies. Uh huh. Recently, it's just just a list of everything. You got your films. You got your documentaries. And out with gout. Eighty eight. <laughs> My favorite one was the uh, the 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 case of the the towel snapping, <laughs> um, but you got to think, Matt Skiba's list of just like his ideas for songs, lead poisoning, it's got to be kind of high up there. Just like, all right, all right, I got I got some chords. I need a, I need to, I need some words for this. Well, let's start with the title. What do we got? <laughs> Lead poisoning. He just has a Rolodex and he like flips it and stopped at L and he just picked out a card. <laughs> Funny you bring that up. Um, you know what? Introduce the show, then I'll tell the story. Oh, this show? This show. This show right here is what we like to call As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. And every week, you know, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. Who one are we? Well, he's David. Correct. And I am Tim. You did good. Great Thank intro, you. right? Um, So it's funny you bring up a- Troy McClure. Well, Matt's keep having a Rolodex of, of just titles, mm. because I'm not going to say how, but I will say I've seen the idea board the band had for naming the record that Lead Poisoning is on, this addiction. Holy shit. Some, some gems in there? They like puns too much, <laughs> is what I'll say. Um, but this addiction is what they chose. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, th- thank God. Because um, otherwise, it would it would maybe have turned out to be a, a real dud of a record. Yeah, this, I've gone. This is your least favorite record. Least favorite record. Yeah. Um, by that was a, a freaking bad one. By a wide margin, for a good many reasons, we've talked about one of those songs before, "Eating Me Alive," that I really dislike. We've not gotten to my absolute, the absolute nadir of, in my opinion, the band's musical output, which is also on this record. This record I was so excited for. I was ready. I gave Agony and Irony a lot of shots and a lot of um, rope. And then they did this. Well, let's go back. What was it about this record that got you excited? Because Agony and Irony comes out, falls a little bit short of your expectations. Mm-hmm. And I guess for a lot of people, it's sort of the the end of that, just that phase of like, all right, I'm losing it a little bit. Agony and irony yeah, yeah. might be the last straw, yeah. as we discussed last week for, you know, maybe the second generation of fans. Yes. What was it about this addiction that got you excited because agony and irony for me was that was the moment that i bowed out i wasn't really paying attention when when this one was coming out so i would say i'm slightly atypical in fans up to that point of having gotten in early and really liked everything through crimson so for me 
unlike a lot of people whose support was maybe wavering, I was feeling a little more just like, well, there was one bad record, right? Agony and Irony was the bad one. Everything else, not so bad. Even on Agony and Irony, there's a few songs, maybe three, maybe four from the whole thing that I would be like, okay, there's an EP's worth of ideas here. And prior to Agony and Irony, I was even excited because they released a song called Fire Down Below on a Warp Tour comp, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Really like that song. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, so I was like, oh, like this is kind of an interesting merger of ideas. Agony and Irony was not that. So they were on a major label for Agony and Irony. They left that label um, and went to Epitaph slash Heart and Skull, which is their own imprint on Epitaph, similar to like... Tim Armstrong's Hellcat thing. He sounds like if a British answering machine was playing in the other room almost exclusively. My name is Tim, and I'm a lesser known character. My name is Tim! Yo, actually, I'm sorry. And I know that hearing about dreams is like looking at pictures that you're not in. But sure. that's a always sunny in Philadelphia quote, which I don't watch. But that quote, holy yeah, shit, that is good. I gotta give credit where it's due. Um, I definitely had a dream last night where I chose to sing "Sidekick" by Rancid with huh. a within a group, so I could say. My name is Tim. I'm a lesser known character. I shit. I'm not kidding. I also woke up last night with um. I was I never I never sleep on my stomach, but I I was and my arm was like straight out and it was so numb that it woke me up and I turned over and I was like, I can't move my hand. I'm positive it's broken right now. (laughs) So I just stared at it and willed it to move. And you're like, thankfully, uh, if my my hand is broken, I can just play guitar with my feet like Tim Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the videos of him where he's just not playing his guitar. He's just holding it by the neck and spinning. Uh, it's better than Craig Finn, baby. Um, anyway. Ouch. We're slightly off track here. I'll tell my awful Craig Finn live experience story on another podcast. Our hold study podcast, I guess. Fuck it. Uh, down down at the banks of the Mississippi River. Uh, a podcast about hold study. Anyway, this addiction. Uh, I like. They went to Matt Allison. I was like, I wasn't yet totally um, let down by the idea of a return to form record. You know, <laughs> you have to now, learn a few things. Yeah. Now that's a thing that's just so beaten to the ground. You know, where I hadn't really seen a lot of bands I'd cared about try to do that, and. The first song I heard was the title track, which like wasn't mind-blowingly good, but was solid enough, mm-hmm. decent enough opener. I was like, all right, like this, this isn't 100% what I love about this band, but it's... Got potential. There, There's room. If this was the first song they wrote, wanted to lead off the record, fucking God bless. Oh, boy. Did not realize that would be one of the things I hold in more esteem from this record. And in the lead up to it, they were kind of touting not only they were really sending mixed signals because they were being like, oh, it's a it's a return to form record. We're just going to get back to Chicago, do the thing. And then conversely, they're like, there's a song with trumpet. It's just got a real uh, neutral milk hotel vibe, which 
I don't know if they heard Neutral Milk Hotel or just thought that was a thing to say. Like a band they knew had a trumpet in it. There, and are, there are horns in that band. Yes. It is true. However. <laughs> Not quite the uh, lead, Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> lead poisoning... It is not really Neutral Milk Hotel. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what that band is. Yeah. Um, what is lead poisoning, then, is the question. It's a question I've been asking for a long time. Dude, your guess is as good as literally anyone's, I think, because, I mean, you listen to the lyrics to it. It really, it's just him describing what sounds like his vision of lead poisoning actually is. And I think it's a metaphor for being hungover. Oh, uh huh. Which, uh-huh. guess we, what? Yeah, you done that, buddy. We've been there. Danny did that. He did a really good job with it. And uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. A song called Crawl. Crawl. It's been done. You uh, just gotta bow out, my dude. It's also just like getting the the picture of what like kind of retroactively getting to understand the state they were in making this record where they were all living in Chicago and like a rented loft, but not really hanging out together. And this record took them longer to make than I think almost any other one. And they were just going out and partying and not really focusing on the record. Yeah. It makes sense. You would write a song about a hangover. Yeah. It makes sense. It wouldn't be very good. Mm -hmm. Um, But much like we did last week, I'm going to try to find the redeeming qualities. Um, I don't hate the musical motif they're starting with. No. And when I heard this song for the first time, right after I listened to Love, Love, Kiss, Kiss, that guitar starts and I'm like, all right. All right. Cool. Sure. We're going to, we're going to kick it into high gear here a nice little intro thing and what i'm assuming is going to be the lead into a verse a verse which it is but it's just the same thing the same thing which is like oh no it's it's not a bad little groove and i kind of like it because they don't really do that it could have almost been a callback to like a goodbye forever with that kind of staccato opening but they don't do that. They just imagine if Goodbye Forever was just that. Yeah. It would be kind of weird. Um it doesn't the riff doesn't really resolve. So therefore it doesn't really lead to anything. So then when you get to the chorus, they're kind of committed to having to be stuck in this groove. Now, which again, I hear and I'm like, "All right, cool. Now just like you're going to take it into a different uh, no." Yeah. We're still here. It's really two parts. And the issue with that is like less can be more in a lot of respects. But I think the issue we see here is I will say like what I think is nice is I do think that this groove and this kind of riff structure breaks Matt out of maybe his normal uh, approach to vocals. Mm-hmm. But it also limits them because he really the song has to stay in the same kind of mode for him to be able to both play and sing atop it. Yeah, you know, it's just a weird rhythmic structure. It's honestly like the it puts him in a position where he can only do so much lyrically. Mm-hmm. It functions better as a writing exercise than it does yeah. as like what you actually want to have here with you know a a hook a 
verse and to me the parts themselves are fine but they better serve as transition parts into actual verses and chorus yeah this is a song i would even forgive it just kind of sticking in that mode through the verses in the beginning if it led to a chorus if that what is the chorus was a pre-chorus i i I think they wrote a really strong uh intro and linking verb idea and a strong pre-chorus and use that for the whole song um and i think part of the reason the song has a trumpet in it is which i'm not an anti-ska guy across the board it's not my favorite thing in the world but like i'm not gonna be that guy i'm Uh not gonna dismiss it outright Uh I'm not going to take cheap shots at fucking slow gherkin and shit. I got zero interest in it, in zero interest to the extent that that's your that's your thing. That's cool. Yeah. Doesn't do nothing and for again, me. And if, again, if I'm talking Scott, it's like I like the specials. Right. And like mm-hmm. the Boston's have some cool stuff. And You just say that because you listen to Axe to Grind and those three love the Mighty Mighty Boston's more than anybody I've ever heard in my entire life. My friend Gabe loves the Boston's. I've never met a person who liked the Mighty Mighty Boston's until I started listening to Axe to Grind, and it's like, oh, a secret world in here. And maybe I should question the answers. Sick records. All right, all right. Um. Anyway, I (laughs) yes. Uh. So I'm not. I'm not going to take that route because whatever. There's even in the worst musical genres, there's stuff I like. It's possible, is what I'm saying. But they wrote themselves into a corner where, because they could not get out of this groove, they could not potentially do a lead part. There couldn't be a lead guitar, really, here, without it being an unplayable song for them. Yeah. Because that's not enough of a groove for bass and drums to carry it, even though you have a bass player and drummer. Who could do that? So they just kind of are like, well... Yeah, I mean, it's like... Sure. You listen to Parliament and, and and Funkadelic, and you can you can throw guitars on top of that. But Matskeev is not playing that. Yeah, exactly. So they're kind of up against a wall, and I think clearly the trumpet was like a, we need something, Gotta because be this something. this song just kind of trails to an end, because we don't break out of it. No pun intended. Oh no. It crawls. I'm sorry. Anyway, this song is just, it's one of those where I'm like, man, if they actually like started here and had a producer who was maybe mm, a little more, I don't know, Matt Allison and all, I don't know their working relationship, but was willing to be like, all right, this is halfway there. You have half a song. Well, it seems like Matt, Matt Allison is good when he is working with people who know what they want and, very, and he can make it yes. what they want. Exactly. The Lawrence Arms, you know, the guided tour, I'm sorry, uh, Greatest Story and yes. Old Calcutta, phenomenal production. Not mm-hmm. He didn't go, you know, all over the place with it, but those two records have a very clear vision. I think Matt provides what they need in, in making those records soar. Yeah, and I think he's very good at seeing what a band wants and getting it there, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine it's much harder when that band is three people who you've known for a long time, two of whom you've recorded for over 20 years in various capacities, who come in 
and are hungover and maybe not even all three of them there together, you can't really be like, well, let's uh, redo this if not everyone's in the studio. This is a really fascinating time for this band because the I think the urge to be a fly on a wall here is so high. Like, up there with, you know, wanting to be in that house. Sure, sure, sure. In in Wicker Park, in the Ukrainian village. Like, the... It just seems like Matt Skiba came into the studio wearing sunglasses a lot when this record was made. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. Because um, here's the thing is, like, it wouldn't be that interesting to be a fly on the wall for the making of God Damn It. Because it's basically just... Two takes, yeah, that's good enough, cool. Not the making, but the, like, writing. Writing, you know? and, and the, the figuring it out. But they're in there for five days or whatever, and it's just like, boom, it's there, it's done. I think they tried to bring that energy to songs that weren't the songs on God Damn It. Yeah. You know? Where it's let's like, not, all right, yeah. let's not overthink it, let's just get it done. And We did it once. We can do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a testament to the fact that I think that, like, return to form records, by and large, are kind of just, like, it's marketing, and it's kind of disingenuous. You can't, I don't care where you go back to, you're not that same person. Yeah. And I think given the fact that, I just feel like if that's really what you're trying to do, if you're really trying to go back to something, the idea that you're still like falling in line with your general release cycle of you know two to two and a half years after the last record came out that's you have to do so much unpacking of Mm -hmm. the fact that okay we're in a spot that you know we don't we don't really know how we got here we got to figure out how to draw it back and it seems like they just decided to just full-on be like no, all right. Well, it's no it's, more thinking. It, it <laughs> no more sh- trying. It, it should have <laughs> been that we were yeah. with love, love, kiss, kiss, blah, blah. <sighs> it should have been seen as an opportunity, right? Where it's like, all right, we had the major label record. It failed. Now is our chance to prove ourselves, to not be seen as a failure. And to me, this record is always just read as like, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just accepting that fate. It's not really reacting to anything. It doesn't really have a perspective. The songs themselves barely have a perspective. The songs themselves are barely about anything. The songs themselves don't show that they have a lot of life left in them. And I think that's why this record has always been so uh, difficult for me to get through. And also just kind of leans into a lot of like bad tendencies because there's nothing else there. And Lead Poisoning is far from the worst song on it. But it's emblematic of a lot of problems. I feel like, you know, that leads to the feeling of catharsis that we all felt mm-hmm. when Is This Thing Cursed came out. Because Is This Thing Cursed is kind of, they don't market it as the return to form record. Yes. But it really falls in line with, uh, you know, the understated goals of what a return to form record is yes they go in they don't think too much about it but they put themselves into it with a new energy yes with a new sense of purpose that's you know that's uh guided by what got them there in the first place but this one is just oh we just went back to the same place but no real changing of habits no real yeah 
I mean, and, and I think in every sense, um, Is This Thing Cursed is more of a return record. They did, I think Dan made allusions to maybe I'll Catch Fire in terms of what it felt like writing it because that record was written so quickly after God Damn It and I Lied My Face Off. You know, that was a very tight turnaround. This was basically a month, maybe a month and a half in a studio of just like wrote it all, recorded it, put it out. And I think it captures their energy. It sounds like them pretty naturally. And it has songs that I remembered as songs that I uh, enjoy going back to. And the ones that I hate, I don't hate nearly as much as the ones that feel lazy. Well, the, you know, the songs on Is This Thing Cursed, it's, there's just a palpable energy to it. There's yes. an excitement that's just present. And it's, it's not like it's, stated in any form other than the fact that the music just presents that yeah and i think that's also an example of a producer who much like when matt allison is at his best with this band or with a lot of the bands he works with there was material there so the subtle you know uh keys or synths or whatever serve the song they're not a crutch in the way that they become or a trumpet becomes Mm -hmm. in terms of this record um you know, I wish I had kinder words for it. That's a Boston's reference. Uh, but I don't. Well, that's the impression that I get. <laughs> Literally the only Boston's You're the rascal reference. king. Uh, yeah, that's the um, the part in Clueless where he uh, they perform. Maybe one day, um, you know, I'll make you a nice little... Maybe one day Lou Reed will click for me and I'll have made you a nice playlist for the Boston's and I'll click for you. Someday, I suppose. Hey, babe. Take a walk on the wild side. Um, Yeah, I... This is a two out of five. It's Yeah, it's a solid two out of five. There's just nothing... Uh, that's yeah. the worst type of music, right? <laughs> yes. The See, here's the thing. I, I give this song a two. But I would rather hear it than a 2.5 that's also on the same record. We'll get there later. It's a 40-degree day. Nobody's got nothing to say about a 40-degree day. String a bell, baby. The Wire. Hey. The Wire? No, I'm sorry. This is as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Uh, We're here. David, my friend, came over to hang out with me on a Tuesday night and uh and just rap because that's what we do here we just we just sit and we riff and we talk about this band that we love and a band that has given us incredibly uh you know important moments in our in our lives and in our consciousness and then has given us uh, a fair amount of moments where we're just like what the fuck are we doing yeah um but no matter what we end up talking about, I always look forward to seeing you. Likewise, friend. And it was great to have you over, and it's great to be joined by all of y'all out there. We invite you to tell a friend about the show. Um, rate, subscribe it on your podcast player. Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. That is a way for you to help support the show via monthly dollar amounts in exchange for very fun bonus audio content. We talk about things that we like to talk about on Mm -hmm. that. We go for a long period of time. Uh, There are polls. Polls that you can participate in that help you choose which song we're going to talk about next 
And we're coming up on one of those. We got one next week. Next freaking week, we will be here talking about a song that we like a little bit more than this one. We'll see you then. Thanks, buddy. Wake up with this lead poisoning